This is Marketable, a Notice Pictures podcast that explores the ever-changing landscape faced by marketing teams. Welcome back, everybody. I am Jeff Barry, and this is Marketable. Today, we have a guest, Nick Kringis, who's the founder and CEO of Apricot Law. Nick, I wanted to have you on the show because you've been an inspiration to me in a lot of different aspects of the business, what you do. Uh, we do different things, but correspond and sort of parallel each other. And I've always enjoyed our conversations and I feel like I've walked away with something to think about. Before we jump into some of those things, tell me a little bit about Apricot Law and what exactly it is that you do. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind words. <laughs> I think it's the same with you, but every time we talk, I think I, I walk away with something to think about for sure. It's always good. It's always beneficial. And Positive. Um, with Apricot Law, we started about 10 years ago, and uh, we've always been focused on one niche, which is law firms, and even more specifically, personal injury law firms make up about 80% of our clientele. We do internet marketing or digital marketing for law firms, starting with their, their website. We do custom website designs, and we build those out. Um, and then we the goal of any website is to drive traffic and then to convert more of those visitors into, into clients for our clients. So through, uh, we specialize in SEO, organic SEO, and also uh, SEO in the maps, uh, both organic. Um, we have other services, but that's what that's our specialty or unique ability. I don't think I realized through any of our conversations that our companies are both about the same age. This is our 10th year for Notice Pictures as well. So oh, really? Uh, yeah, an oh, another good. parallel there for sure. What does marketing mean to you? I feel like it's a pretty broad topic, but what does it mean to you? What is marketing? The role of marketing is to make selling superfluous. That's one definition that I heard, and I don't know where I heard it from, um, but ever since I heard it, it's like a perfect definition for me because it all revolves around um, getting people to come, clients, potential clients to come to the table, wanting to hire you, or at least further along in that buying cycle where your marketing has done the job of a salesperson for you almost automatically and in the back end so that by the time they come to you, they're nearly ready to sign. Yeah, you. I was curious if you were going to give me that same answer because I did ask you that off the cuff at one point, and I thought a lot about that because it was a bit of a shift from the way that I think about marketing, which is kind of on the outward facing side. Given what mm. we do, it's things people are watching, things people are seeing, things people are interacting with, telling a story for a brand or a product. Oh, interesting. And thinking about that way of like making you know, sales superfluous that somebody's come to the table and wants to buy whatever the service or product that you have is, from what they've seen, mm -hmm. from what's been presented outward facing to mm -hmm. them. That was um, that was a, an interesting shift for me to think about for us as a company and also for what we're creating for our clients. So given that, where does what Apricot Law does in your SEO, in your design, where does it fit into that philosophy of making sales superfluous? Yeah, it's a good, that's a good question. Um, I just I want to say one thing, though, before I get into that kind of to preface it is if you think about any way that we buy, like if you know anything that I buy, like let's say it's a golf product or a driver or something like that, yep. I kind of identify with certain brands over others. 
uh, certain brands like speak to me more than others for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they have, you know, Tiger Woods or a certain golfer that represents them. And then, but by the time I go to that to store to buy the product, I know, I almost know what I want to buy. And I'm just kind of honing in like, which one do I buy? But in terms of brand, I know which one I want to go with. And I think that's probably similar for most people in the way they buy. So that definition kind of rings true in, in my own life, like the way I buy. So the, back to your uh, question though, and how it fits in. Part of SEO now is uh, EAT is the formula, like expertise, experience, um, authority, and trust. And Google wants to see all of those things. So when we're building a website, we're, we're really cognizant of putting those things up top to build that trust right away to say like, this is a, first of all, that this is a brand you can trust. So it's not just like a fly by night company on the internet because there are still people out there that don't trust companies on the internet, for example, like, you know, they can't feel it, touch it, you know, see it. So it's, it's all very, right. Um, is it real? Yeah. Is it real? Uh, so there's still people out there like that. So when it comes to marketing, making selling superfluous, um, we want to put a story out there on a site, like not only to satisfy the search engine and make sure they're showing it to their users, but then when someone actually gets there, that that resonates with a person, um, not you know, a general market or so the more specific, the better. And I think that's where, um, that's where niching down has really helped us is that we can speak to one person so that they see our brand or our client's brand in this case and say, yeah, that's definitely the company that I want to go with. Or I kind of resonate with that company. If that makes sense, we're all, all over the place there, but yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to jump back to your, to your golf analogy for a second, because, uh, I, I did a, we have, when we do sort of a little sh uh, shorter, uh, podcast call them elevator pitches. And I did one on the forgiveness campaign for TaylorMade because mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting and it spoke to me and I have a big thing that, you know, messaging, whether it's video stills, uh, need to be about one thing and the way that they took two things and made it one thing in a really smart way is interesting. Mm -hmm. But made me think of another thing that sticking in the, in the golf analogy. It's like, you go get fit for new clubs. Let's say you're going to get a new driver and you go somewhere and they're going to give you, Hey, here's the new 12 new options. Yeah. And, and it's best case scenario with your fitter, you should be open-minded to any of those, right? Because you're going to look at what's on the scope and on the monitor. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know golf, if you're trying a new golf club out, you want to get something new in your bag, you'll go and you have a, a fitter and you're using technology and flight scopes and things to get response from what the ball is doing, how you're making contact, how that uh, driver, that club is working for you and utilizing technology to do that. And in going to try those things, really, you should, you know, be open to whatever, because what's going to perform best for you. Uh, but I think it's interesting what you're saying, because you I know when I got fit a couple of years ago for my irons, I had an idea before I went in already, regardless of even trying anything, I was like, oh, I, I'm going to want that brand. Yeah. And there was also a point where there was a, I was hitting one of the irons that was responding really well. And I didn't know what it was because he said, don't look at this. Don't look at the club before you hit it. And I just was hitting it. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, I don't know if I could play that because of the story behind it or something. Yep. Right? And so on either case, whether I was wanted something uh, or I didn't want something, it was the stories uh, that I attached uh, myself to from the way that they were marketing towards me mm -hmm. really you know, predispose what I was going, what should have just been a general thing. And that's, 
it's interesting to think about. I think a really strong example for me, obviously, because I love golf, but how uh, you know predisposed I can be from the stories that that are yeah. that are out there. Um, but back to you know mentioning in in SEO, how does that you know how are you strategically? You talked about um, being so specific in apricot law, but also personal injury, you know, mm-hmm. it's like niching down, you know, not just law, but then getting to that. So how are you guys strategizing between a piece of content and SEO or the story that a client wants to tell about their brand and SEO? Like, how does that relationship work mm-hmm. uh, to be able to niche down and speak to that one person versus being totally general? Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, well, in SEO, we always like to say that um, that the homepage is for branding and the internal pages are for for ranking. Mm. So with the homepage, we can tell a story. We can kind of be for one person because we're not worried about ranking the homepage. Mm. It will generally rank on its own, on its own authority because that's the most authoritative, authoritative page on the site. So we don't have to do much to rank a homepage. And when you say ranking, you yeah. mean within a search engine? Correct. Yeah, if somebody's searching for a term, uh, let's say, for example, somebody's searching for NYC car accident lawyer or location plus car accident lawyer, and they're looking for a lawyer in that area to do something very specific. We're not uh, intentionally trying to get the homepage of a website, the main homepage of the website to show up for that search because um, we want very specific internal pages that are optimized for that term to show up uh, because the search engine will show what's the most relevant page in the world and they'll rank them to that specific term, right? So the homepage really shouldn't do too much because it's meant for branding. It's meant for somebody to say, uh, if they search for your brand, certainly you want the homepage to show up. There are different pages for different things, right? So if you want something to rank, it'll be an internal page around, optimized around very specific keywords or types of keywords. If you don't care if something ranks, it'll, it could be, the, or, or if you want it to rank just for the brand name, it'll be the homepage. Or if you want something to be like a story, it might go on the blog. So it just really depends on what your objective is with that given page or piece of content. So the internal pages on the site you could say like, okay, we know that these are the 20 most searched terms for personal injury law. Would you then take that and say, if I'm understanding this correctly, we're going to have 20 internal pages on the site. So they are specifically geared to that one thing when someone is searching that one term. Am I understanding that right? Exactly right. Yeah. So we want to bring people in from those search terms, but then obviously the navigation on the site has to bring them around the site to other things like the blog, like that brand story or back to the homepage, the contact page. They're all optimized for different things. But yeah, so for those ranking pages, the way that we capture those visitors from the very beginning, we hook them in from the search engine. That's their objective, but not necessarily to tell the story on those pages. You know, frankly, it's to capture those visitors when they're just finding your site through the search engine. Right. So they, you say, okay, uh, NYC taxi accident, you've got a page um, because you're, the law firm is you know operating in New York and they've got geared towards that because they know how to deal with those you know municipalities and all the hoops that you jump through for some pursuit of you know an accident and that. 
they start there, they see that they're like, oh, these guys have exactly what I need. This firm has exactly what I need. And then as they maybe click out to get a little bit of a bigger story, they're going to the homepage, the about or whatever it might be to see who the the, the people are potentially. Exactly. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for example, like another example would be like a, a paid ad going to a page would be vastly different than an organic optimized page. A paid ad, you want to get as many visitors to call you and to click through and, and to become a lead or an appointment as possible because you're paying you know, sometimes hundreds of dollars per click on those. So you really need to hone in like, hey, you know, there can't be any leaks on this page. Like we literally don't want them clicking anywhere but on that form submission button. Right. Because so then we take all the navigation off and we put all everything we have to have on a page has to be on that page for conversion and nothing else. So we have no room for story. We have only room for like trust. This is speaking to you specifically and give us your name and email and we'll call you back. And just to define that term leak, that's like if you could get out of it some other Correct. way, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like some people call it a squeeze page because we're squeezing the information out of the person. But if you have um, a leak could be like links to other pages on the site or navigation at the top that leads to like the blog or the about page or the bio or the bio pages or the or the homepage. We don't want any of that on in that particular case because the objective of that is to maximize that ad spend and to get as many people to call us as possible. Use the term organic mm-hmm. uh Organic search, right? Is that what you said? Organic, yeah, organic search. search yeah. Okay. What's the opposite of organic search? Paid. Okay. Paid search or paid ads. Okay. So mm-hmm. as, as those two are opposed, can you just define what each one is? Yeah, sure. So basically at the, you know, the, in its most basic form, you're not paying for organic. You're paying for it indirectly, sure, because you're creating content and you have people that are working on the site, but you're not paying Google or a company for that traffic, they're showing you organically based on the content on your site and it fits the searcher. So it's on a on a Google SERP, which is a search engine result page, you'll see um, the paid ads are at the top because they want to you know, maximize their revenue. They want people clicking on those because they get paid off of those. The companies that put those there pay them per click usually um, or some other ads that say sponsored will say ad. Uh, but then if you go down a little bit lower, in the map section in a local search term or down below are the, are the organic results, their algorithmic results saying that these are the most relevant um, pages to your search. Whereas paid, paid ad is literally I'm giving Google like, hey, I, wanna, I want clicks for this term. I want visitors for this term and I'm paying you per click for this, for this specific term. If I show up, I'm going to pay you each time somebody clicks on the ad, on that ad on the, on that listing. Now, is it possible that you would have let's use our NYC taxi accident example? Mm-hmm. That's a real strong focus for a law firm. You're obviously going to have something on the site that's organic. Mm-hmm. Are you also potentially doing a paid ad around that? So you're that's a great question. Or do you not want to? you know, maybe interfere, cannibalize one or the other? That's a great question. Cannibalization is a term uh, that we use a lot because if you want, you know, one page to rank, you don't want a hundred pages on the site with the same terms because then you're confusing Google, right? Right. So there are ways to, but the the short answer is yes. We want, uh, 
if that's a very important term uh, and vice versa, like if it's important organically, but but we've already seen that it's bringing in leads through a, a Google ads campaign, then we want to also get those clicks organically. So one will power the other. Like we know that, you know, let's say we've run some ads and people are, are our attorneys are getting leads from this particular ads and actual cases, then we want to build a whole organic campaign around that too. So there are ways to like block a, a, a crawler or, or Google from seeing a page and so that you're not cannibalizing those pages. There's ways around that, but definitely you want to have organic pages and Google ads or, or pay-per-click uh, pages. And you certainly don't want to have one page doing both jobs. Right. You know, it's, it's the objective of a, if it usually is one objective to a page. Right. You know, if you're trying to um, rank a page or if you're sending paid traffic, they shouldn't be the same thing because then you muddy your data and, right. you know, it's, it gets confusing. Fighting yourself, it seems like. Yeah. Within, what do you see right now? It could be within what you do or it could be a little bit more general trends in, in marketing. Trends in market. I think it's um it's an old trend, but I something you said earlier about forgiveness made me think of this because I think um, everybody wants you to come up with like a, a unique selling proposition, right? A mm -hmm. USP. Yep. And I've been knocking my head against the wall for years coming up with a unique selling proposition because no matter what, you always come up with something that's not not truly unique. It's like somebody else is doing it somewhere because there's just so many, there's so much competition around. There's so many right. companies looking for the same business. So I think that a trend is that um, what's becoming more popular is more of a unique method or a unique mechanism like forgiveness, right? It's something that the brand made up to say we're unique because nobody, you can't get this anywhere else. And this is the, re this is the result. The result's not unique. People want forgiveness and they want, length of their driver right, yep. or their club right yep. the results not unique but the way that that company gets you there is unique so i think that that is such a powerful thing that i'm just kind of getting my head around over the past year or so whereas um it's not you don't have to be unique per se like your company doesn't have to be truly unique but the the way that you get the results should be unique and that sets you apart like probably the fastest it's like a shortcut yeah. Not that it will be there forever, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody will copy you, but if you name it and you make it your own, it's proprietary. That's your unique way of getting there. It's like, uh, you know, soften hands while you do dishes. It's like, right, it's old. right, it's like, right. You know, it doesn't really soften your freaking hands, but they needed something yeah. that was different than just like get your dishes clean. Right, right. Yeah. It's, I, that is in, in that episode where I was in that talking about the forgiveness. I talking about that, not even knowing that I was talking about mm -hmm. that you're saying, because, uh, but I did cite in there the, the paradigm driver this year and the claims for tailor-made stealth too are pretty much the same, right? Mm -hmm. You hit it further and there's more forgiveness and your dispersion and things like that. And the ads around the paradigm ad for me with ROM are very confusing. It's mm -hmm. just so much information mm -hmm. of what they did and jailbreak and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, I don't even, I don't know what's what I'm coming and away from. And they're trying to visually this. show it and get around it. With yeah, like the, 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 know, the, the, yeah, the world sort of bends, closes in and, and all of that. And I just was like, this is so much information. Whereas the forgiveness side, it's this, they're saying the same thing. It's yeah. further and it's more forgiving, but they coined this term mm -hmm. and it was funny. And people know what it means right away. And you, yeah, and they own that word because nobody else 
is using that word. Mm-hmm. And Correct. so so that being unique way of selling ostensibly the same thing mm-hmm. and also really the same thing of Stealth 1, mm-hmm. their own product. It's like this yep. is the Stealth 1 last year, Stealth 2 this year. Stealth 1 was further and mm-hmm. more forgiving than anything else. And Stealth 2 is even more forgiving and further than that was. But they crafted that uniquely yeah. in a way that they really owned it and separate themselves. I think that the driver market, you know, at that time of the year when 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 we did that episode, March or so like that, when everything comes out, it's really it's a concentrated time. It's around the PGA show. It's yep. before the season really starts, which is kind of based on the Northeast. And everybody tries to differentiate themselves. Mm-hmm. But they're all saying the same thing, and mm-hmm. I thought that forgiveness side w- was unique in that sense. So that 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 makes a lot of sense that you're seeing that in what you guys are interacting with, right? Because I would imagine personal injury law firms, mm-hmm. their claims are kind of the same, right? The same. You can trust us. We're going to get you the most amount mm-hmm. of money, and we care about you. Well, it's also the hard. It's it's one of the hardest things to break attorneys or or really anyone out of. Because it's so, people call it incestuous in a market. Everybody's doing the same thing and they're seeing their competitor or the person down the street doing something and they're like, they think they have to do that exact same thing. So you, you almost have to like beat it over, beat them over the head to say, no, you have to be different in some way. Like marketing is about being different. It's, you know, in marketing, it's better to be different than better. Right. You're because just, eventually you're not going to be able to be better. Right. It's going to be, you know, to the point where, for whatever restrictions, you're not going to really be that much better. It's going right. to be the same product. Right. And that's uh, a Russell Brunson thing too, right? He talks about that in his book, just being a little bit better in a, in a market. I can't remember exactly the the terms that he uses for it off the top of my head now versus like being different and creating your own side of things. So that's why forgiveness is so great because you said it, they create their own word for it and it's a market of one. Right. That's so it, right. It's a blue ocean. That's what it, yeah, right. It's not a red ocean with right. a bunch of sharks like fighting over scraps, right. which is what you get if you're just optimizing to be better. Right. But if you're optimizing to be different, sometimes you could find something so different that it's like it's a blue ocean. It's like nobody's in the nobody's category. There. You're the only one there. You're yeah. you're the leader of the category. So so in that case, you're working with a client, they've given you a brief, you're working to optimize their traffic, bring them more business, revamp the look of the site, whatever all those things may be. And they want to say like, this is what is done within personal injury law. This is the way they were presented. And right. you're saying, hey, no, no, let's let's go in this different direction. Mm-hmm. How are you communicating with that? Obviously, it's always different on an individual basis, but is there, are you, are examples or data or stories? Like, how are you trying to like, you know, steer that tanker a little bit, even though it's going to take time to turn it. How are you trying to help move a client into something that might feel very risky for them? Yeah. So our best clients come to us with with a marketing department. They're kind of more advanced than somebody just getting started. We feel like if somebody's just getting started, it's a lot harder because they're not there yet. They need mm-hmm. to have that foundation and the basics down definitely first. But once they get bigger and a little bit more successful and then they have, you know, people internally that could they're doing things. They're actually doing things different. They're not um, maybe whereas a startup or somebody that just hung their shingle, so to speak, is, you know, just trying to you know take any deal that they can. They're not niching down. They're not um, specific to anyone. Um, 
and they're not really unique yet, frankly. So, but when we come, when a client comes to us and they're a little bit bigger and they're our ideal client, um, we, we try to take what they're already doing differently and pose it as like, this is what you need to kind of focus on. This is what is going to set you apart in the market. And, you know, some people are the biggest player in that market. So it's pretty easy. It's, you know, we've gotten the most, like if you look at Morgan and Morgan, which is the biggest firm in the United States in pers personal injury, that's their claim. We're the biggest personal injury firm in the United States. So as soon as you go, but that's very hard to, to replicate, right? Right. So it just, it depends on what the client comes to you with and trying to find what they already do that is unique as opposed to like creating something new. Um, some people have, you know, we've, we've had uh, clients come to us with these unique guarantees mm. or you'll, you'll speak to a lawyer if you call us, not a paralegal or not somebody that, you know, is not a lawyer. Right. So it's just about finding within that company what's unique and, and what to kind of pull out and use. Is there, for lack of a better term, recipe for success? Like what are the things within what Apricot does that you think are great building blocks for uh, firms to have success with their with their marketing outreach? So when it, specifically for SEO, I mean really forever, but right now it's all content driven and the usefulness of that content and making sure that you cover the entity or the topic as well as possible. Can you just yeah. define what you mean by content? Cause it's such a broad oh, yeah, term. Sure. You know, what is content to you? Well, content to me is what it is to Google, which is mostly text. Okay. You know, text content. So an algorithm is a text based algorithm for the most part, like they still have trouble, like seeing images and seeing videos, like it, it has to be broken down in some way into text. So with regard so to- So even if you have a, a, an image or a video on a page, you need a descriptor of what that is or else Google doesn't see it, right? Yeah, a scriptor uh, on the back end in the schema, which is basically the code telling Google what it is, it's text, you know, with that transcript or with the description or, you know, keywords or whatever telling Google what that video is about. Okay. They're certainly getting better, especially with AI and, you know, um, image search. They know what images are about, but it's still a text-based algorithm. I don't know if they'll ever get away from it, uh, even if they're the ones to break those things down into the text format. Okay. So I jumped into defining content, yeah. which was sort of one step broader than that, talking about the content. How we differentiate ourselves were content driven. We use AI to start uh, with content. Not that we use AI fully. It's not like a push button thing, but we definitely use it to help us. And we publish, I would say, more content than anyone else on our client's sites um, to really make them the authority in that topic. Um, so if, it, for example, like in SEO, if we're going after to go back to our NYC taxi lawyer or taxi accident, we want to be we want the site to be as relevant to that topic as possible. So we we publish tens of thousands of words a month around those words um, around the word NYC or the location. All the boroughs are covered. You know, we have pages about just the location. Then we have pages about taxi and getting around, you know, and transportation. And then we have um, pages about accident. And and all the entities or terms that that make up that 
that term. And then lawyer, of course. So we want to show through our content that we've covered that entity as as well as anyone in the market. And we feel like if we've done that, then Google is going to see that client and that site as the authority on, on those topics is going to rank us for not only the term we want to rank for, but thousands of other terms around that topic that that people might be searching for. So when you say you're publishing tens of thousands of words per month on that topic, how are you publishing them? Like what are the forms? It's mm -hmm. blogs, it's pages. What is it exactly? Yeah, it's blogs and pages. That's that's 100% right. Um, if it's a really long form blog, it's like four or 5,000 words on a topic. Uh, we really break it down of like what people are searching for, what people are asking, um, what's in the area relevant that we can cover. Um, then it'll be on a blog. And then the the pages will be, I mean, there's no real difference on the front end other than a little bit of formatting. But on the front end, you're not going to really notice a, that much of a difference. But if you're publishing on the back end, some things go to blog and some things go to the to the actual pages and they're targeting specific terms on those pages. So for ongoing clients, for you, your how does it work? You, you're continually coming up with ideas on what those blogs are about or or what is that thing because you're kind of for this example i'm sure mm -hmm. there's more than just nyc taxi accident yep. search term but mm -hmm. let's say that's their number one thing you have to keep hitting that so you're mm -hmm. continually to come up with new what new articles that still address that what what is that dance yeah so you have to um we we see it as as um as circles overlapping circles or, or ever growing circles from the center out right mm -hmm. so at the, in the middle of the circle we're going after that term only but I think more amateurs or like people that are just getting into SEO, they'll just keep hammering that one term. But that's mm -hmm. not great because we get back to cannibalization and we have other pages that are going after that same terms and we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. Right. Uh, but we're going out of that and we're going to anything related to those words and we're building out from from there. It's not about hammering the same thing, but it's about building that um, a universe of text content that covers that entity entirely and anything that somebody might search that's related to that entity is covered on the site so there's really no end to it i mean you can you know you can get from from taxi you can go to transportation to to car to uh, bus to uber and lyft uh, rideshare so it just kind of snowballs outwards but as long as we're doing a good job of covering that entity, and we we do that up front, we'll use AI tools to come up with literally a thousand different topics for blog topics or for, mm. and we we do that up front because we want to make sure that the client is okay with what we're publishing first right. of all. But we want to visually see that we're covering that entity better than anyone else. It, it's funny thinking about this relative to blogs because I think I have a very like naive sort of romantic idea of what a blog is in my mind. And mm -hmm. it's that somebody at a firm, whether it's personal law, whether it's construction or whatever it is, they're like, this is something that was on my mind that I think could be potentially useful for you. And as I was driving into work, I was like, I got to get this down because somebody's going to use it. But in fact, what you're saying is the blog post has been specifically engineered because we know that it's going to hit these SEO terms and it's useful for us, right? That's a very, very good 
point. I'm glad you said it because it brings everything full circle. And if you if you're just doing that blindly, it, you can hurt yourself and you can hurt your site. We've had clients come to us that are publishing five blogs a day on like accidents in the area. Or it's just like a, you know, they're basically copying another news site and they're saying there was an accident in this area. Yeah. Two people were injured. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. And it's first of all, it's thin content. It's repetitive content and it's not useful content. Uh, and that typically hurts them where they're either uh, not getting any traffic. Google's like, well, people are clicking on this and clicking away. Uh, they're not sharing the post. It's not useful to anyone through the user experience, user metrics. Um, so they're not showing them at all. Or worse, they're getting the wrong type of traffic. Mm. Um, so Google sees it as like a newsy News site or, or not like yeah. an attorney site. So they're right. sending the wrong traffic and not sending the people that you want to send. So going back to from SEO, it has to be spelled out up front. It has to be where it's like a big game plan of what you need to cover on the site and cover those before you go into like, you know, just putting something out personal that you think is is kind of interesting to you and it might may or may not be interesting to someone else but from an SEO perspective you have to have a a big roadmap uh of of the topics that you want to cover you know I would say before you get into anything else yeah it's interesting to think about that strategy that's needed as you not only think about the design of the site yep. your homepage your secondary pages, what those are geared towards, your blog that's on there, your about pages, mm -hmm. and then moving all the way down the line as you think about it holistically, getting to your social, mm -hmm. your, you know, if, you're, if your company is using Instagram or Pinterest or uh, LinkedIn, certainly as a place to show expertise, uh, those areas being an extension of, uh, you know, what is happening on the .com or the from the homepage down. Correct. You know, do you guys look at that? Is that part of your overall strategy and think about kind of down the waterfall there digitally? Well, it has to be because Google sees it as all uh, eat, um, authority and trust. Right. If, if it's a real brand, it has these things. Right. And people are sharing. If it's not you, it, if it's not the user, it's someone in the office is sharing these things. Right. But there's activity that looks like a real site it looks like you know right um and it's not um well certainly it's not contrived or somebody like manipulating the system it has to look natural right. it has to look like you know as if a real brand was doing this with a team you know yeah um you can't be like you know software generated yeah, bots. or you know bots or whatever because they'll always figure that out it doesn't right. look right right um, and we're even seeing that with ai generated text that's now right point. it's like you just you just copy and pasted mm -hmm. out of chat gpt and that's your home page do like that. it's gonna flag right don't do that um well not only does it flag for originality because google has very sophisticated tools to know that it was ai generated i don't know how but they right. do even if like if you run it through a tester and it says it's original like 95 percent original it'll give you a score yeah there's tools for that right but there's still, you don't want to do that because the bottom line is uh, if, if a user finds it useful and is engaging with that content, if they're not engaging with it for whatever reason, or if they're on the page and off the page, mm. uh, and that's the way I think that Google is going to combat this because mm. they have no way of really knowing like, like or, or they don't even have the, re they don't have the resources, believe it or not. It's Google, I know, 
but they don't have the resources to to scan every or crawl every word on a page of every single site, right? Right. And especially with the explosion of AI that they just got dumped probably 20 times what they're used to right. in terms of content. And that, right. that that's a cost for Google. Right. They don't want to, that's not ad, that's not money generating. Right. Like having to crawl all those pages. Right. So the shortcut to that is, are people using this content, reading this content, scrolling, sharing it? Right. So what you're saying is that the generic copy coming out of an AI generated, you know, piece of software mm -hmm. to that user, that potential buyer on the site, mm -hmm. if it's not specific and good and, and having uh, something to hook them, mm -hmm. they're just going to move on from it. And then, yeah. therefore, Google's not going to rank it or it's going to rank so low, they're just not even going to deal with it because, obviously, there's not something here that's grabbing that person yeah. or going to grab the next person who wants is in that same search result. Correct. And on the other hand, if it is useful, go ahead and use it. Right. You know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't uh, just push a button and copy and paste it if it's useful. Right. You know, but that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, that, and that brings me, you know, as we kind of end our time here to... Uh, something that we've been talking about quite a bit and you've made mention to, which is AI. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you can just talk a little bit about, you, you sort of mentioned some of the uh, ide ideation of it, you know, how you guys mm -hmm. are using it. And also maybe speak to, I, I think there's so much fear about it right now. Mm -hmm. We're going to get replaced. Apricot law is mm -hmm. done because we're just going to do it with AI. Notice pictures is done because we're just going to have AI generated images and they're going to cut the videos themselves, AI itself. And so sort of where you stand on AI and how you guys are using it, as I know that you are, and you've kind of jumped into it pretty quick. I don't know uh, about 10 years from now if it'll, it, it, I'm sure it will replace some jobs. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. But we use it as an enhancer, a tool in our tool belt. There's you know thousands of tools that we use as SEOs, not us, but as SEOs already we use tools. And this is just another one of those tools. Uh, that can make us more efficient. It can make us uh, pump out more content. It could make us, it could help us scan other sites and know what Google wants uh, in a search term uh, mm. much, much faster. So it cuts, it cuts the time down where we used to have to do everything manually. Right. A lot of that stuff, that manual work that can be replicated or duplicated, it's just like, you know, uh, Stuff, stuff that we would maybe give give off to like a VA because uh, that person's overseas getting less, but it's a menial task that needs to be done. Those tasks can be done by AI, but we're never going to rely. I don't think. Well, we're we're not relying solely on AI. I mean, to generate, it's not a push button, and I don't think it ever will be. It has to be where we use it as a tool, and we use that output to help us create better content and create content faster and create more content text text content yeah i see that as create freeing up time from what would have been manual labor mm -hmm. to then make more content and something that we see in our use of it if it doesn't have personality if it doesn't have point of view you know if there's no soul to what the text is what's being written mm -hmm. it's not going to be useful exactly you know if it doesn't have a voice mm -hmm. and and maybe uh ai will get to that place mm -hmm. where it's like you know i was listening to something on i think the daily they had a, an episode on ai with college students mm -hmm. and this college student was saying that he uploaded like all of these papers that he had written for the semester and then said to chat gbt like 
write me, you know, 500 words on this topic in with the voice of all those other things that were written. And he said it was uh, helpful in being more specific to him, but he still needed some work to do there to still mm-hmm. turn that paper in or whatever it was. Exactly. So maybe we will get there, but it doesn't seem that we're there yet. And, and you know, in 10 years, you know, who knows, yeah, maybe who knows? that specificity in the voice. But I, I think then it seems like, it feels like to me, then you, you have to be willing to evolve with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Because that's still a tool in our in our tool belt, like you said, to keep doing what we're doing if we want to be doing that. And this mm-hmm. is just a part of it versus just like stasis and be like, well, I got completely, you know, eradicated because AI came and I'm not yeah, useful I mean, anymore. You know, when we all have like AI girlfriends and wives, it might be totally, yeah, you know, yeah, might yeah. Be totally different. Right. But, you know, it's it's like if one car- carpenter shows up to your house and th- and they have a few tools where- versus another one shows up and they have a van b- full of new tools, like wh- which one's going to produce better? Right. The guy with all the t- tools and knows how to use them. But it's all about having the tools and knowing how to use them. Yeah. Um, in-, in terms of, you know, AI f- specifically to what you were saying is that voice um, and how we use it. We're going back to like individual paragraphs or individual lines and saying like this is going to be the top and this should be. So we're telling ChatGPT or other tools that we use, we're framing it as you're a marketing expert. This is our audience. So that whole frame, you know, it could be like 500 words just to tell, just to get, uh, just to put the input in that so that it makes sure that it gives you back what you want. Right. So like it's not to a point now where you can just give it a sentence command. Just right. like if you had an assistant, you're not going to tell it one thing and expect the right uh, thing back. Right. You know, the right output. Right. So you have to go in it and say, well, for this one, we're trying to uh, grab attention. The objective is to grab attention of a personal injury lawyer. This is how much they make. This is how, you know, this is their entire persona and profile. Right. And this is the objective. And, you know, what can you do with this? And then you go back to it like five times. Like, how would you recommend um, if we were looking to improve conversion rate? How would you improve it? What would you do differently? So we're, it's it's not where we're just saying one thing, pushing a button, and we're getting the whole thing back. It's it's not there yet, if if ever. Um, so it really is the operator. And that and that word persona, because you know you have multiple clients so you you are all crafting to the voice of each of those clients to begin with mm-hmm. so it can't just be one thing that you guys are using for multiples of multiples of clients because everybody would have the same thing at this point That's like you point. have to be there to facilitate it to get specific to the voice of that firm mm-hmm. whatever that firm may be and what they do and mm-hmm. what is specific to them not just what you know, because like we to come back to, they're all kind of going after the same thing, correct? Trying to find originality within it. Yeah. But you can't be asking for the same topics mm-hmm. and then getting the same result from mm-hmm. the AI and then just putting that onto, you know, multiples of yeah. clients' sites because everybody would be the yeah, same. Yeah. If you thought about it, if there's 10 attorneys in the same market and they were all our clients and we had the exact same content on every one of their sites because it was easy for us. Like how would Google know who to send what to? But but even further, the user would go to all of them that are exactly the same. How do they pick? Who do they pick? Right. What's the what's so it comes back to that flip. like unique mechanism or right. something that's unique to that firm. Right. It can't be all the same or push button out of a software. Right. If you had one last thought here, some advice for companies on how they're 
utilizing their SEO or what you would like to see them or how they could better utilize it. You mm-hmm. know, obviously there's a lot of um, intricacies to that, but something maybe that you see that's when you have looking at a new client or doing an assessment on how they're using SEO within what they're publishing, you know, a common mistake or a common uh, way for people to improve their SEO within the marketing. Is there something that comes to mind? Yeah, I would say that this is a bad answer to a specific question is don't rely on one thing to bring all the business to your firm, right? Like we have a lot of people that are, that, that they don't do any marketing and they come to us and they're like, well, this has to work. This, this is the one avenue that, that we're using or trying and we need it to bring us back, you know, a flood of clients. That's, it's never going to work. It's just, it's such a, um, omni-channel approach and always has been where uh, SEO in particular, you need all these things around your brand that look normal, that make you look authoritative and truly make you an authority in the market. You can't rely on one thing. So focus on, on the traditional types of marketing, building your brand, giving good service, referral based, like looking for lead sources everywhere, not just in one avenue because i think that's when people kind of uh they, we don't hit their expectations if they come in with those yeah that's hard when it's like it's it's this or bust yeah you know very finite uh narrow strategy but i don't think you deal with and, and i don't deal with clients like that often and we generally don't take them if they're if they're that if they're that way or thinking that way but if if somebody's listening to this and they're saying you know if if that's their mindset or if they're just getting started and they need something to work uh, it's, it's, it's organic in that you have to grow it from the ground up and kind of like do all the right things and to build a brand, not just focus on, you know, shiny objects or what's working today. Yeah. A way that we see that materialize where we'll have a client, maybe it's a new client or maybe it's a client we've been working with, but they'll come to us and say like, Hey, we have this idea or we have this new product or service or something, and we need a video that's going to go viral. Like we need it to go viral. Because it needs to get, we need that exposure to it for this thing to work or Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's like this one piece of content is going to go viral and then make this product or service a hit. And it's like, it just, it's, you know, that is a uh, very, very tough set of circumstances to work under and be successful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So Nick, where, uh, give us the .com and your handles and where, where do people find out a little bit about Apricot Law? Uh, sure. Apricotlaw.com. Uh, you can search Apricot Law. I'm sure you'll find all of our socials. For me, it's, uh, at Nick Kringus on Twitter is, uh, the best place uh, for the public. If, if they search Apricot Law and they don't find Apricot Law, that's, <laughs> that's a serious a problem. problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, Nick, thanks so much for jumping on. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. All right, thanks, Jeff. Marketable is produced by Notice Pictures. We make podcasts, documentary, and narrative films and are the trusted marketing collaborators for a number of brands and organizations. Check out our work by visiting noticepictures.com. If you'd like to chat or have a topic you want us to explore, drop us a line at marketable at noticepictures.com. And of course, please subscribe, rate, and review the show.